No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today, we see where King Solomon has great wealth and wisdom. He enlarges the borders and glory of Israel. After reigning 40 years, he dies. But what is his legacy? We hope you'll join us as Pastor Daryl continues in 2 Chronicles chapter 9 on Simply the Bible. Have you ever wondered, what does it all mean? What is our life's purpose? Why are we here? These big questions consume the minds of some, others barely give them a thought. We are a nation built upon the pursuit of happiness, but how do we achieve it? People try relationships, money, power, and prestige. Some pursue extreme experiences and over-the-top thrill-seeking. Others simply live for the weekend, seeking their comfort or recreation. But what if money wasn't an object? Such was the life of King Solomon. He experienced all a man could ever want to experience. But where did it lead? And did he find the happiness that he sought? Today we consider Solomon's life at the end of his life. We continue in 2 Chronicles chapter 9, verse 13. The weight of gold that came to Solomon yearly was 666 talents of gold, besides what the traveling merchants and traders brought. And all the kings of Arabia and governors of the country brought gold and silver to Solomon. And King Solomon made 200 large shields of hammered gold. 600 shekels of hammered gold went into each shield. He also made 300 shields of hammered gold. 300 shekels of gold went into each shield. The king put them in the house of the forest of Lebanon. Now, Solomon's annual income was 25 tons of gold. It is interesting that the biblical measurement was 666 talents. In Bible numerology, six is the number of man, seven is the number of completion. The golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon built, before which he commanded everyone to bow, was 60 cubits high by six cubits. Presumably this was six cubits square, making it 60 cubits high, six cubits wide, and six cubits deep. We know from the book of Revelation that the number of the name of the beast, that is the Antichrist, is 666. So does the yearly income of 666 talents of gold in Solomon's kingdom mean anything? I don't know. But Solomon certainly multiplied gold, which was something the kings of Israel were forbidden in the law to do. Solomon's source of income came from taxes, tolls, trade, and tribute from conquered rulers. He also received many gifts from those seeking his wisdom. It took great wealth to support Solomon's extravagant lifestyle of the rich and famous. Solomon made 200 large golden shields weighing 15 pounds each and 300 small golden shields weighing 7.5 pounds each. Now, because gold is a soft metal, they weren't practical in warfare. 
They were simply put on display in the palace of the forest of Lebanon. Moreover, the king made a great throne of ivory and overlaid it with pure gold. The throne had six steps with a footstool of gold, which were fastened to the throne. There were armrests on either side of the place of the seat, and two lions stood beside the armrests. Twelve lions stood there, one on each side of the six steps. Nothing like this had been made for any other kingdom. Solomon was a builder who excelled over every other ruler in the expense, the opulence, and the quality of the things that he built. His throne surpassed the thrones of every other kingdom. All King Solomon's drinking vessels were gold, and all the vessels of the house of the forest of Lebanon were pure gold. Not one was silver, for this was accounted as nothing in the days of Solomon. For the king's ships went to Tarshish with the servants of Hiram. Once every three years, the merchant ships came bringing gold, silver, ivory, apes, and monkeys. King Solomon and his household could only drink out of golden goblets. And they imported great riches of gold, silver, ivory, and then for entertainment, apes and monkeys. So King Solomon surpassed all the kings of the earth in riches and wisdom, and all the kings of the earth sought the presence of Solomon to hear his wisdom, which God had put it in his heart. Each man brought his present, articles of silver and gold, garments, armor, spices, horses, and mules, at a set rate year by year. Now God had promised Solomon that he would give him riches and honor and fame. And that's exactly what happened. God certainly made good on his promise. And as the people of the world heard about King Solomon's wisdom, they came and wanted to sit and receive from him. And then, of course, they brought even more wealth to Solomon. Solomon had 4,000 stalls for horses and chariots and 12,000 horsemen whom he stationed in the chariot cities and with the king at Jerusalem. And so he multiplied horses, which was, again, something that he was forbidden to do in the law. Now, why was that anyway? It would seem that God simply didn't want the people to rely upon their military strength in the way of their weaponry, but rather their military strength was to come from their relationship with God, their trust in the Lord. Psalm 33:16 says, "No king is saved by the multitude of an army. A mighty man is not delivered by great strength. A horse is a vain hope for safety. Neither shall it deliver any by its great strength. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his mercy, to deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in famine." You see, God knew that the more strength that they had militarily, the less they would be dependent upon him. And sure enough, that's exactly what happened. So Solomon reigned over all the kings from the river to the land of the Philistines, as far as the border of Egypt. The king made silver as common in Jerusalem as stones, and he made cedar trees as abundant as sycamores, which are in the lowland. 
and they brought horses to Solomon from Egypt and from all lands. Solomon's kingdom stretched from the Euphrates River in the northeast to the land of the Philistines in the west and the border of Egypt in the south. This was the largest territory for Israel in its history. And even this was not all that God had promised to the nation. But Solomon stretched the borders as far as they ever were stretched. Now the rest of the Acts of Solomon, first and last, are they not written in the book of Nathan the prophet, in the prophecy of Ahijah the Shilonite, and in the visions of Iddo the seer, concerning Jeroboam, the son of Nebat. Solomon reigned in Jerusalem over all Israel 40 years. Then Solomon rested with his fathers and was buried in the city of David, his father. And Rehoboam, his son, reigned in his place. Solomon was certainly blessed with wisdom beyond measure, and God gave him riches and fame to boot. He wrote 3,000 Proverbs and 1,005 songs. But with all this wisdom, it is curious that Solomon didn't walk in it. He ignored the commandments that a king of Israel was not to multiply wives, gold, or horses. He had 700 wives and 300 concubines. He had so much wealth that he drank only from golden goblets, and he had golden shields made for show. Silver was as plentiful as stones in Israel, and therefore it was worthless. Did he really need all this wealth and extravagance? What was the purpose? It didn't satisfy him, because he wrote in Ecclesiastes 5.10, Whoever loves money never has money enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with his income. This, too, is meaningless. It's like the billionaire who is asked how much money is enough. Just a little bit more was his reply. Solomon denied himself nothing that a man could want. He experienced all that the world could offer, but did it bring him happiness? Even more tragic was the fact that his many foreign wives turned his heart away from the Lord. After he married them, they wanted to continue to worship their idols. So, Solomon built shrines for them on the Mount of Olives, but eventually Solomon joined his wives in worshiping these false gods. Solomon suffered from a common ailment. He thought he could violate the rules and get by with it. Now, how many politicians, movie, music, and sports celebrities, and business executives have reached the top only to fall to lust, greed, or pride. Somehow, they think that the rules don't apply to them or that no one will know. But Moses said, be sure your sin will find you out. The Apostle Paul wrote to the Galatians, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. Each of us are either sowing to please our spirit, that part of us that is eternal and made to know and worship God, or else we're sowing to please our flesh, that is our sinful nature. Like with seeds sown into the ground, at first you don't see anything, 
But soon the seed begins to grow, and there is no stopping it. Eventually, we will reap the harvest of what we've sown. Either that will be corruption, or it will be eternal life. What was the legacy that Solomon left behind? He received a united kingdom from his father David and all the wealth David had stored up to build the temple. He left behind many proverbs for those who would follow him, but Solomon did not finish well as David had. His heart was turned away from the Lord. And soon after he passed, the kingdom was divided and the people turned away from God. You see, people tend to follow what we do more than what we say. Despite Solomon's indulgences, toward the end of his life, he still brought forth a nugget of wisdom. He turned toward the Lord as the source of life. Ecclesiastes 12.13 says, Now all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. There it is. The meaning of life from Solomon's perspective. Now you may be wealthy in this world's goods. Then again, you may barely have enough to eat. Either way, the only satisfaction you will find is in knowing God and living for Him. Loving God and keeping His commandments will give you all that you need materially, but more importantly, it will give you joy, peace, and everlasting life. And if that isn't the meaning of life, well then, what is? You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. For more information about our church, please visit our website at calvarytv.org. To listen to previous episodes, go to 941thevoice.com or check out our iTunes podcast. If you have questions or comments, please email us at daryl at calvarytv.org. That's D-A-R-Y-L at calvarytv.org. Tomorrow, we will see where Rehoboam becomes king. People ask for tax relief, but Rehoboam takes bad advice and loses 10 tribes. We hope you'll join us as we continue in the book of 2 Chronicles on Simply the Bible.